So let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 as we continue on. This message is entitled Godly Correction and Godly Repentance. And we see here Paul trying to rebuild a relationship with the Corinthians. He was their spiritual father. He had come to Corinth uh, previously. He had spent 18 months there. He had founded the church, preached the gospel. People got saved. He stayed for a year and a half, taught them, raised up leadership, and then departed. Often, as was the case, false apostles, as, as the Bible calls them, would come in behind Paul preach erroneous doctrine, uh, diminish Paul's uh, ministry, kind of belittle him, talk poorly of him. The Corinthians seemed to be a group of people that were very susceptible to being respecters of, of men. They would follow this guy or they would follow that guy. They were very easily impressed with perhaps how well somebody spoke, if he was a great orator. They weren't really discerning about what he was saying. They just liked how he was saying it. And so they were very impressionable in a lot of ways. And we see here as this thing uh, developed, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that there was kind of a drifting apart between them and the Apostle Paul. It seems that they were kind of suspicious of him. They were accusing him of some things and they were speaking poorly of him. They weren't defending their spiritual dad. They weren't standing up for him in the face of other people that seemed to be uh, much more slick and much better orators and that kind of thing. And so uh, it was a real sad situation here. And the Apostle Paul had been sending them some letters. And he had sent them a letter between First and Second Corinthians about a situation that was particularly bad. Um, and he, he was deal- they were dealing with a, uh, a man who was in deep moral sin. And so he's been communicating with them. Uh, this, this letter that I'm referring to is called the severe letter. And he wasn't sure what their response was going to be. And so this, this message today, this portion of scripture here, is for us, the application is this. When we're walking with the Lord and we have a, a fellow brother, a fellow sister, another Christian who has chosen to join themselves to some ungodly people. Remember last week what David taught about being unequally yoked about joining yourself together. When we are unequally yoked, when we are joining ourselves to non-believers in inappropriate ways, and that's a real uh, measuring phrase there. Not, of course we need to be friends with unbelievers, but when we join ourselves in inappropriate ways in marriage, deep relationships, whatever the case may be with unbelievers, it can tend to lead us away from the Lord. And as a result, it leads us away from God's people. I've seen that and you've seen that, haven't we? People get involved with romantic relationships or they marry somebody that they shouldn't have married. Uh, we, we kiddingly call it, uh, sometimes when they're dating, they, we kiddingly call it missionary dating. I'm going to just go out with this guy, I'm going to go out with this gal, and I'm going to win him to the Lord. And, and it, as it turns out, this person pulls the Christian away and that kind of thing. When we are unequally yoked with people, there is a separation. There's a pulling away from God and there's a pulling away from the people of God. And we see that here. The Apostle Paul, like a loving father, like a good friend, like a good Christian brother, is reasoning with them and inviting them back into the relationship. He's saying, let's be together again. And he's kind of analyzing it for them. And so let's read here uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. We're going to pick up on it more next week. I didn't want to try to rush through the entire chapter. In fact, let me go back to uh, chapter 6, verse Um, my goodness, 14, because it's really a complete thought here. So this is part of what David taught last week. 
Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, you guys know what I'm going to say. You have to ask, what is it? What is it therefore? What is the word therefore? Therefore. Here's the application. When you see the word therefore, it means, now this is what you are to do. Based upon what was just said, this is what you are to do. Therefore, verse 17, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you You shall be, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have defrauded no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also with the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I don't regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice. Not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Let's pray before we proceed. Lord, all of your ways are good. And uh, in this section, Lord, as we study it, this whole idea of lovingly correcting one another and lovingly receiving correction and lovingly repenting and and being reconciled, God, we pray you'd search our hearts and you'd help us search our own hearts and that we'd grow and, and walk in adulthood, in Christian adulthood. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. He says in verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. I love that the Bible doesn't just tell us to do things. You know, the, the scriptures are not just a list of all these things you have to do with no explanation or no reasoning. God reasons with us. He wants to appeal not only to our hearts, but to our minds. I'm sure I probably said this to my children when they were younger, you know, uh, son or daughter, do this, why? Right, parents? And then what's the typical response? Because I said so. (laughs) Now, while that's true, it doesn't appeal to the mind. It doesn't really even appeal to the heart. It can seem cold, it can seem blunt, it can seem unreasonable. But here, the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, therefore, having these promises... And the promises that he's talking about, of course, guys, are what we just read at the end of chapter 6. 
Now, the Corinthians had joined themselves to false teachers. These people had stolen their hearts and their affections. They aligned themselves, they yoked themselves to the wrong people with the result that they were not loving the Apostle Paul, who was their spiritual father, and they were joining themselves to sinful people. They had a compromised walk with God. They started to view people through worldly standards. They became respecters of people. You can read about that in chapter 11, as, and we're going to get there. And when we join ourselves to ungodly people too closely, when we yoke together with them, and David gave us that example, a yoke is that piece of wood that's fitted to two animals and there's a, something that's put under their neck and it's attached like this and you're just, you're fastened together. That's being yoked. If you have a friendship uh, with, with an unbelieving person or some, you know, with anybody, you can walk in and out of that. But being yoked together, perhaps it's a romantic relationship or perhaps it's a marriage or perhaps it's a business deal or there's something going on where it's going to be really, really difficult for you to break out of that. When that happens, when we willingly put ourselves in that, in that kind of relationship with somebody, inevitably there's, there, there's often a pulling away from the body of Christ and a pulling away and a distancing from God. And that's what's happening with the Corinthians here. So he says, therefore, in verse 1, chapter 7, having these promises. He's going to say, I want you to cleanse yourself. You need to cleanse yourself. But once again, we might, we might say, why? He's not going to say, because I said so. He's going to say, this is why you need to cleanse yourself. You need to cleanse yourself from unholy human, unions because we are the temple of God. None of us would want to bring a dead carcass of an animal into our home and just leave it there. Why? Because it's your house. It's where you live. Take that bag of trash, garbage. I mean, make whatever application makes you feel like you're going to get nauseous. You don't want to bring things into your house that is just going to spoil life. Can you live with a dead, can you live with a dead possum in your living room? Sure. You can. You can. If you have to, you can. If there's radiation outside and it's either the radiation or the dead possum, you can live with the dead possum. Is it pleasant? No. It's awful. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll choose the radiation. I don't know. <laughs> Crazy hypothetical things that I come up with. Huh? I, should, I should like write creative stories or something. I don't know. Maybe I missed my calling. I don't know. When we bring things into our lives like that, life isn't as it should be. And Paul's saying, look, you're the temple of God. Not only corporately are we the temple of God, that's why we don't want to yoke ourselves as a church to ungodly things. But you as an individual, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the dwelling place where God lives. I really want you to stop and think about that for a minute. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in your soul, in your being. God exists. He, he moved in when you said yes to him. There was a book years ago, and I don't remember the author. Some of you might, but you don't need to tell me right now. That's okay. But the book was entitled My Heart, Christ's Home. How many of you ever read that little booklet? Really? Oh, my goodness. I should just buy 100 of them and give them to you guys. We'll have a revival. <laughs> Tremendous book. It talks about just, it's, it's an allegory about a guy who had a, who had a home, and G, he invited Jesus to come and, and stay in the home. And uh, through a series of events, there was like a really stinky closet and, and Jesus was like, well, I really appreciate that you invited me to live here, but there's something real stinky around here, you know? Well, it's that closet. Well, I'll, I'll help you clean it out. He goes, no, 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 I don't want you to see what's in there. No, no, I'll help you clean it out. I'll help you clean it out. 
He talks about how Jesus is waiting in the living room every morning and the guy's off to work and he's, Jesus is saying, you got a few minutes to chat? Well, I'll talk when we get back. And you, that, you guys get the idea. Why do we cleanse ourselves from wrong relationships? Because we're the temple of God. Spiritually speaking, do I want to bring a dead possum into my life and ask Jesus to put up with it? He loves me, but he's not going to love the dead possum. We're not going to enjoy that together. If I want to enjoy Jesus to the fullest, I need to love everything that he loves. Why would I love something that he hates? Why would I bring to myself something that he won't join me with? Lord, I love you. I want, so I want all of you. Then get rid of this, get rid of this ungodly relationship. Put it out of your life. Well, I know, but, but you're my temple. I dwell in you. Church, we are the temple corporately of the living God. Every Christian church in Napa, the temple of God where God wants to manifest himself, where the spirit of God can come and work. Unfortunately, some churches that, that have a cross on their roof and, and name the name of Christ have yoked themselves to sinful things. And the presence of God is not there like it should be. And I'm not on some crusade to say that we're better. It just happens. It happens on a corporate level. It happens individually. Why do we cleanse ourselves? Why should you cleanse yourself? If you're in a wrong relationship today, or if you joined yourself to some habitual habit or some addiction, or whatever, you, know, you, can, you can extend the application out, why should you get rid of it? Because Jesus lives in you. Lord, you can have 90% of the house, but this room over here, that's my dead possum room, and you can't go in there. <laughs> why would we ever do that? And then we can't even stand the dead possum room half the time, right? That's how sin is, right? It promises to please and then it condemns you after you give into it. It's the nature of sin and it doesn't deliver. Not long-lasting satisfaction. Why do we cleanse ourselves? Because you're the temple of God. Not because I said so. You're the temple of God. You would never do that to your own home. Your soul is infinitely more valuable than your home. Your soul is infinitely more valuable than that wrong relationship that you're into. Infinitely more valuable. Your fellowship with Jesus is infinitely more valuable than you having to hide something over on the side. Infinitely more important. So that's one reason that we want to cleanse ourselves. There's some, there's some scriptures there. You can look them up on your own. God dwells within each individual believer. John 14. Jesus is present when we're gathered in his name. Matthew 18. You guys know those, most of us. If we are inappropriately yoked to somebody, another point here, we miss out on the fullness of the fatherhood experience. Look what he says here in chapter 6, verse 17. Therefore, come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. I will receive you, verse 18. I will be a father to you. Well, somebody might say, well, you mean he's not a father to me then until I do that? No, he's a father to you already, but you're not experiencing the fullness of it. He doesn't, he doesn't, our Heavenly Father doesn't share in our sin. We don't enjoy that together. You might enjoy it on your own, but he doesn't, enjoy it, he doesn't enjoy it with you. He doesn't partake of it with you. And so guys, this, this is simply the point. I hope I don't sound like I'm scolding you. I do want to challenge you in a real strong way. Whenever we choose ungodly relationships or ungodly practices or anything at all, please take the sin and receive it, you know? Whenever we choose things that are sin... We're just pushing Jesus over to the side. We're just pushing him away. I pray for all of us that that the greatest reality of our lives would be Jesus Christ. 
He'd be the greatest reality. I had a friend, his name was Michael Guido. And he used to say all the time, I'd, I'd see him frequently back in the day. And he, he said, Lord, I just want to have a vision of Jesus on the cross. I want to have a vision of Jesus on the cross. I want to know all of it. And whether we get that vision or not, when we choose sin, we push him away. When we choose sin, we push others away. And that's what had happened with the Corinthians and Paul. And Paul is so sweet to them, and he's so wonderful. But he's just saying, look at chapter 7, verse 1, therefore having these promises, you idiots. (laughs) He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say, therefore having these promises, you rebellious, carnal, you call yourself a Christian. He doesn't say that. What does he call them? Starts with a B, ends with an eleven. Sound it out, guys. Beloved. <laughs> he loves these guys. You've got a stinky possum in your church. You've got a stinky possum in your heart. And I love you so much. That's crazy. I love you and your stinky possum. Can we get rid of the stinky possum? Can we get rid of that thing? He's not hammering them. He loves them. He speaks them to them with words of endearment. When we, guys, just summarize these things, look at verse 16, chapter 6. Why should we cleanse ourselves? I just want to make this point again. Because God says, I will dwell with them and walk among them. To the degree that we don't cleanse ourselves from ungodly relationships is the degree that you will lose experiencing the presence of God. Christianity, guys, we always say this, don't we? It's not a religion, it's a relationship. We always say that, probably not with that face that I made. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. <laughs> okay. We always talk about relationship, but how's your relationship? How's your relationship with the Lord? I would say, generally speaking, for most of us here, because we study the Bible here, your theology is pretty good. In my life, my relationship with God is always catching up to my theology. I've been studying the Bible a lot of years. My theology, I think, is pretty good, pretty good, but it's always my relationship that needs attention. Always. Why? Because as the old hymn says, Lord, my heart is prone to wander. I'm a redeemed soul in an unredeemed body, as Pastor Chuck Smith used to say. I have the Spirit of God in a body that wants to do nothing but the wrong thing. There's a constant battle going on. You guys know that, right? Amen? At least the person next to you, right? There's a constant battle going on. And that's why, hey, easy on the... We've got some married couples down here that are ready to throw blows here, okay? Easy, guys. Fight at home. <laughs> I'm teasing. There's, there's always that struggle going on. There's always that battle going on. And so if we don't cleanse ourselves, what do we lose? We lose him dwelling with us, the experience of him dwelling with us. We lose him walking with us. We lose him, in verse 16 of chapter 6, we lose the sense of him being our God. He doesn't stop being our God, we just don't experience it. Verse 17, uh, verse 18, oh no, end of verse 17. I will receive you. We, again, these are, all, these are all terms of relationship. We lose the sense of relationship. Verse 18, I will be a father to you. If we don't cleanse ourselves from ungodly relationships, we lose the sense of him being our dad. And how many of us really need to experience him as our father? Amen? Amen. His protection, his love, his concern, his guidance, all the things that calm our souls. I forfeit having a calm soul if I choose sin. doesn't mean I'm unsaved. It means that I'm rattled and I can't find peace because I'm involved with something else. 
I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters. We lose so much of that. We don't lose our salvation, but we lose the relationship, some of it, to some degree. So that's why we want to cleanse ourselves. Now we can move on. It's important that we understand the why before we get into the what. The the why is, in my opinion, every bit as important as the what, maybe if not more. We have to be motivated to do these things, right? We don't want to just do them because the pastor said so, or your wife or your husband or somebody nagged you into behaving a certain way. Forget that. That's that's nowhere. Verse 1, chapter 7. Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The word cleanse, cleanse out the sin, it means to purge or purify. We often pray, oh Lord, cleanse me. That's not a bad prayer, but the other one is, Lord, I'm going to cleanse myself. I heard a quote the other day, I don't remember who it was, it might have been Winston Churchill. He, I love this. He said, well done is better than well said. Sometimes, you know, somebody will say, oh, that's well said. You know what's even better? Well done. I like that. That's easy. I need, my brain needs easy things like that. Well done is better than well said. Well, Lord, help me end this relationship. Okay, get in your car, drive over there, knock on the door and say, I can't see you anymore. Oh, Lord, help me end this relationship. Okay, get in the car, drive across. Help me end this relationship. Get in the car, drive across town. We ask God to do things sometimes for us that we're supposed to do for ourselves. He doesn't say in verse 1, kick back on the couch and I'll just change it all for you. You won't feel a thing. It'll be pain-free, like pudding dropping out of the sky all over you. Oh, it's just going to be sweet and creamy. No, he says, clean it up. You do the job. You get it done. It's not something he does for us. It's something we must do. There's a lot that he does for us. But we also have to do some things. Filthiness of flesh is actions. Filthiness of spirit is, is attitudes. The prodigal son, you know, guys know the story of the prodigal son. If you don't, um, I wish I had the, the uh, reference for you right now. It's in the Gospels. Anyway, the prodigal son, he went away and he was guilty of many of the sins of the flesh. Wasteful, indulgent living. Took his dad's inheritance and spent it all on partying sins of the flesh. The older brother, however, at home obeyed his dad and when the prodigal son came back, the older brother was angry that there was forgiveness because the older brother had sins of the spirit, pride, self-righteousness, and anger. So what what do some of us have to cleanse ourselves from today? Perhaps, maybe. Sins of the flesh. Maybe you're doing some things. And you're saying, oh Lord, change me. And he says, you know what? Change yourself. And we can't change ourselves apart from him. I'm not saying that. This isn't a self, self-improvement program. It's not, that's not it at all. But he's saying, you know what? You do it. You block that phone number. You sell your part of the business. You, you send that. You make that phone call. You send that text message. You change it. We're not robots, are we? We're not robots. So some of us have to cleanse our actions. Some of us have to cleanse our attitudes. Pride, self-righteousness, critical spirits, judging people, being judgmental and harsh. 
thinking that we're better than other people? I'm going to be a little sarcastic. If you want to, you knock yourself out. But what are you missing? Experiencing the fullness of God. My life is so dry, but I'm so glad that I'm better than them. Kind of a joke there, but obviously not. Lord, I I don't feel close to you anymore, but I sure hate those people. I don't feel close to you anymore, but I have this little thing I'm dabbling with over here. Lord, I don't feel close to you anymore. Lord, just pour your spirit out on me. He says, I can't. You're, You're choosing sin. I've given you grace. Remember, we studied recently grace for daily living. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Remember that Bible study we did a few weeks ago? Don't receive God's grace in vain. I can't change myself. Yeah, you can. Make the move. Make the call. Break it off. Stop the, stop the habit. Stop the addiction. Get help. Confess to somebody. Lord, I wish I could feel close to you. Then cleanse yourself. It's what we have to do sometimes. It's hard, dirty, ugly, painful work. I don't know if I'm, I don't, don't think I'm going to finish this today, but that's okay. If you read this chapter, you know the word pain is, li- is listed in this chapter a lot. And some of the things we need to do are painful. And, and in my short lifetime, it seems as though people are, are, are wanting to avoid every kind of pain at all costs. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't tell me anything. If you tell me anything and it hurts my feelings, you know, there's going to be hell to pay for you and I'm going to sue you and I'm going to call you a bigot and all these kinds of things. Some of us, you know, I hope, hopefully none of us in this room have that attitude. But if you do, you know what? You need to lose it. You need to lose that attitude. As the Lord leads, of course, and as the Lord convicts you, but if you are like the older brother in the, in the story of the prodigal son, if you are in, in verse 1 here, you're cleansing yourself. You've already cleansed yourself of the filthiness of the flesh. I don't do those things I used to do anymore. I can't, nobody could point at my life and show that I'm doing bad actions. Well, that's fantastic. But maybe you're like spraining your arm because you're patting yourself on the back about how great you are. That's pride. You need to cleanse yourself of that too. And what's the result? You'll experience the fatherhood of God more. You'll feel closer. Don't you want to feel closer to Jesus? Not even going to look. Anybody raise your hand? Don't you want to feel closer to Jesus? Don't you want to feel closer to Jesus? Of course you do. Of course you do. Then do the hard work. And don't just pray that he changes things. We need to cleanse ourselves. Look at verse 1. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The word perfecting doesn't mean to make yourself perfect. The Bible does not teach sinless perfection. It means to fulfill further, to complete, to accomplish. We are not perfected by our works. We're called to put forth effort in seeking God. Can you mark your spot in your, in your Bible, please? And we're going to turn over to Second Peter chapter 1. It's to the right in the New Testament there if you uh, it's right yeah, right after right after James and right after first Peter, second Peter chapter one. So it's not for us, guys, it's not just a matter of getting rid of some things. And dear people, may I stand before you as your pastor, if you accept me as your pastor, and say, I'm constantly have to get, I constantly am having to get rid of things. I've had a couple of bad days. you can ask my wife, but don't, please. Because she doesn't like to lie. She doesn't like to lie. 
But I've just had a horrible attitude the last couple of days. Just, ugh. Dead possum would be better to be around than me the last couple. Bad attitude. I have to constantly, come on, come on, come on, you know. Lord, I'm sorry, I confess. We struggle with these things. It's okay, we can be honest, right? It's, we, we need to be honest with ourselves, you know. But it's not just me saying, oh, I need to get rid of my bad attitude about X, Y, Z. It's also me saying, and I also need to add some things to my life, constantly add things to my life. I need to be deliberate in my life about following the Lord. I want to encourage each one of you, you need to read your Bible every day. If you're not, you're missing out on on some of the things of God. You're missing out on the full, your relationship with God is not as full as it could be if you're not reading your Bible every day. Not out of legalism, not out of to make God love you more. It's like being married and living in the next county. You're not close. There's no relationship. There's no dialogue. There's no communication. And so I want to encourage you, read your Bible every day and, and find one other good Christian book and read it too, every day. Read a devotional. Read a biography. Read about church history. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. There's a lot of good books out there. We need to feed our souls. Now in Second Peter, he tells us things to add. Paul says, get rid of these things, but he also, he also says, perfect holiness. Fill it up. I'm just going to read through this. Second Peter chapter two, excuse me, chapter one, verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our, and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these, notice, guys, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verses 2, 3, and 4 are promises. Remember two weeks ago I talked about grace being a bank account that you need to go cash, you know? It's like God writes you a check of grace. God also writes you a check of promises. You need to cash them in. Now verse 5. But for this very reason, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, add to you virtue knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love, and, excuse me, and to, and, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now notice verse 8. If these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that just what Paul said in a paraphrase? God says, if you get rid of these things, I'll be close to you. Peter says, if you get rid of these things and add these other things, you won't be barren. How many of us feel unfruitful at times? How many of us feel like like we're drying up and dying? You know, God's not using me, and I I just I don't love people anymore, and I'm I'm just indifferent. And Pastor Bill and others are inviting me to be a part of this or that or the other thing, and I just don't want to. And People are just a pain to me and they're just a bother. And, oh, I just want to sit home and eat ice cream and watch Netflix. And eh, how do I think about those things? I, I understand that. You know the person that needs to get me up off the couch? It's me. Lord, I'm sorry. I know what to do. I grab myself by the back of the collar and I yank 
and I get myself off the couch and it's like, God, I've got to keep at it. I'm going to go read my Bible. I'd rather watch that next episode of blah, blah, blah. I'd rather sit and eat ice cream. I'm going to go read, I'm going to go read that other book. I'm going to go help that person. I'm going to add these things to my life so that, verse 8, I don't want to be barren or unfruitful. I don't want to be the tree in the garden that has leaves and no fruit and the leaves don't even look good. I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that person. How do we avoid that? By cleansing ourselves and then adding. Dear brothers and sisters, we cannot be passive. You cannot be passive in your Christian life. I don't know what ails you today, but Jesus is the doctor. Jesus is the physician. But you've got to get yourself to him and take the medicine that he's prescribing you. And sometimes we don't even know what that is sometimes we get so messed up. But you do know all of these things. They're sitting right on your lap. They're right there on your smartphone or your iPad or whatever, however you're reading. We know to do these things. Verse 8, if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ now notice, guys, this is so sad. It doesn't have, verse 9 does not have to happen to any of us. He who lacks these things, lacks what things? Diligence, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. If you lack those things, if we lack those things, it's not because they're not available. Right, guys? You with me? Am I killing you today? Are we okay? Anybody need a hug? Give yourself a hug. (laughs) If we lack these things, it's not because they're not available. I'm preaching to me. You guys are lucky when I have a bad week. (laughs) I'm preaching to me and I'm preaching to you because we're all the same. If we're lacking these things, it's not because they're unavailable. It's because we're lazy or indifferent or carnal. We're sinful. That's why. In verse 9, he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. What did Paul say? Purge yourself. Cleanse yourself. Peter's saying, if you don't, you'll even forget that you were cleansed. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, application Be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's turn back to 2 Corinthians. What do we have? Oh, we have a drink of water here. Hang on. This is where we're going to stop. This is... This is enough for today. What do we have? In, in chapter 6, verse 14, we have an invitation to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? Because you have nothing in common with them. Nothing of eternal value. Nothing. Zero. He asked the question, what, what sameness does light have with darkness? Do light and darkness ever in, in all of God's created universe, ever exist together at the same time, in the same place. Never. They never exist together at the same time. Once light comes, darkness is gone. 
Always. That's how clear-cut it is for us, spiritually speaking. We have no, there's, no, there's nothing about sin that we should think a little bit will be okay. It's never okay. It's never okay. Because we lose. You can be a Christian that sins and still go to heaven, but, but I forget who it was that said how great it is to bring heaven down to earth and to live, if you will, in, the, in as much as you can, the fullness of God, in the presence of God. What do we have? Don't have fellowship with unbelievers, yoked together, joined together in a serious way. You, you figure out what that means. Certainly means romantic. Certainly means if you're thinking about marrying an unbeliever, I wouldn't. Could also mean a business thing. You work it out. You want to chat about it? We can chat. That's great. Verse 16, chapter 6, what agreement is there with God in the temple of idols? No agreement. No agreement at all. God says, but you know what? I'll walk with you. I'll dwell with you. I'll be your God. I'll be your dad. You'll be my kids. If you'll cleanse yourself. Chapter 7, verse 1, therefore, since God has promised us all of that, cleanse yourself. Sins of the flesh, sins of the spirit, and add to your heart. Add to your life the things of God. Add to your life. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If, if you look at the next verse too, uh, may, may I just say the next verse, you guys know what, on, on a car, I, this is what my generation calls them, like when there's trouble with the engine, there's a light that comes on, and my generation calls it the idiot light. When the idiot light comes on, it lets you know like, yeah, there's no more oil in your motor or something like that. You know, it's telling you, you're in a bad situation, buddy. You better stop and put some oil, you know, whatever the case is. Verse 3 for me is like an idiot light. Open your hearts to us. When I'm, when you're, when we are yoked together with the wrong things, we close our hearts to people and to God. I'm, I'm so thankful to the Lord that he, he has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to be among us. And I'm so glad that, I, that I, don't, I don't have to deal with all the details of your life. I'm so glad. And I'm so glad you don't have to deal with the details of my life. I'm so glad. But you know who, de- who deals with the details of all of our lives? The Spirit of God does. And for some of you, that might be the warning light. Your heart's closed. Well, I don't know if I'm, you know, sure I'm messing around sins of the flesh a little and sins of the spirit a little bit. I'm a little proud and this and that and those dumb people and all that. And, and, and I don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. Your heart's closed. Why? Because you're choosing darkness. It's not complicated. I only got through Algebra 2 in high school. What's, what's after that? Trigonometry? Yeah, trigonometry. And I, I, algebra 2 was kind of okay because it looked kind of like art to me. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of symmetrical, you know. It's not complicated. Choose sin, yoke yourself to sin, and lose all of these things. Closeness with God, fatherhood of God, fellowship with believers. Cleanse yourself and then add godliness, and all of this just goes... <laughs> 
You've seen people that walk around with just a glow on their face? The glow of the Lord? You've seen people like that? Just You're around them and you're just like, oh man, they're so full of the Holy Spirit. And they, They've done all of these things and they're constantly doing all these things. They're purging themselves and they're adding to their lives. And the result on this side is that they love everybody and they love the Lord and they're not barren or unfruitful. Let's pray together. If you need prayer today, um, there's going to be people at at the end of the service here that are available to pray with you. I'm just going to give us about I don't know, 30, 60 seconds of of quiet and then I'm going to close with a word of prayer. But may, may, may the Spirit of God search us. May we be honest with the Lord about our lives. Father, thank you, Lord, as we sang today. We really believe it. You're a good, good Father. That's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And we are loved by you. That's who we are. We're the people that you love, Lord. We know that. And like the hymnist wrote, Lord, our hearts are prone to wander. And so, Lord, thank you. Even as Paul, you call us your beloved. You correct us with a firm hand and a loving smile. And you are for us and not against us. Lord, we pray for ourselves if you are speaking to us about purging that needs to happen, that we would not trifle with it. We would not play with it. We would not delay that purging. We do believe, and as the man in the Gospels said, help our unbelief. Lord, your word declares that we are only just dust But it also says, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities us. So Lord, you you understand and we're so thankful for that. We pray, Lord, for a clear view of our own lives, a clear view of what you want for our lives, and then all the grace we need to make those things line up and match up. Pray your blessings on this group. Thank you for them. Lord, may Cornerstone, may you bring revival to us, Lord. We want revival. We need revival, Lord. We want to, we want to return to our first love, Lord, if we haven't, if we've drifted. We want, to, we want you to be our first love and then use us tremendously in ways we could never imagine. Pray for healing of marriages right now. Pray for healing of friendships. Pray for people, Lord, who have lost hope and are discouraged. to find their hope in you again. You are the God of all comfort, Lord. So may they find their hope in you all the days of their lives, Lord. And finally, Father, we pray for all those young families returning from camping today. Thank you that they are loving their kids and going out as families, that they have the ability and the time to go and get away and be together. Jesus, thank you for everything. Can we say it together? We love you. We love you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Bless you guys.